In this episode, Jenny Stone and Katie Singer are going to discuss the ongoing service charge issues that many practices within health centres have been impacted by. They're going to cover how to review the service charges, how to negotiate them, and what provisions should be made within the practice accounts. Accountancy on Prescription by RBP, one of the leading firms of medical specialist accountants. We know what you find tough, but don't you worry, as we know our stuff. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Accountancy on Prescription. I'm Katie Singer, one of the partners here at RBP, and today I'm joined by one of my fellow partners, Jenny Stone. Hi, Jen. Hi, Katie. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. We thought it would be a good idea today to discuss the ongoing issue surrounding service charges. So many of you listening, if you're in practice, will have potentially been affected by increases in service charges. And there's been a few cases and there's been a court case. And we just thought it might be worth just having a chit chat about because there's been some developments in recent months and we just thought it'd be worth discussing. That's right, Katie. I've got quite a few practices. Well, actually, I've got a lot of practices that are in dispute with the service charges. And where this, I suppose, all started from is practices were paying a reasonable amount for their service charges. So this is covering heat, light, cleaning, maintenance. And then all of a sudden, costs went up significantly. And a lot of practices would ask for a breakdown of what is this made up of? Why is the cost increased? Now, we're talking about a long time ago, not just recently because heat and light has gone up. And so a lot of practices then disputed their charges because they had no backup or information about how these charges arise. Practices were also getting charged facilities management, you know, sort of £10,000 for facilities management. And what a lot of my clients have said to me is, Jenny, I don't know what this is for. This is really just paying for NHS properties sort of to manage the properties. So what we've seen is over time, so many practices have disputed them and therefore they've not paid service charges for quite a number of years. I mean, I've got practices going back to kind of 15, 16 that haven't paid any service charges. And a lot of the disputes is that they don't have signed leases. So they're Mm. not in a signed lease. So they are able to kind of just dispute these service charges. Yeah, absolutely. And I think one of the questions that comes up the most is, if you're not paying your service charges or if they are in dispute, what happens from an accounting perspective? That's right. I mean, we, Katie, as you know, when we're doing accounts, we still need to provide for the cost as though it has been paid. I took on a new client, I think, two years ago. And when I got their accounts and I knew that they were in leased premises and I said to them, well, what about your service charges? There's no cost here. And the previous accountants had never made any provision. So although service charges are not being physically paid, the accounts need to reflect a reasonable charge in the accounts, partly because, you know, over time, partners change. So we need to be making sure that each partner at the practice is paying their share of that cost. And we've got, Katie, you know, we've got lots of clients now that have got significant amounts that we have set aside for service charges. So we will show a cost each year and you are getting tax relief on that cost. And then there is a liability set aside. So I've got clients that also will set aside money in a separate bank account to say, right, that's what we've got 
got set aside for the service charges once we get them resolved. So we've got large liabilities. And Katie, you know, when we see clients now, you know, because this has been going on for certainly feels like a long time, this service charge dispute. Some of my clients have got significant amounts of money set aside to pay these service charges. So by making a provision, we're holding money back from each partner so that when that time comes to pay it, that money's been withheld from their current account balances. They've also had tax relief on that money. Yeah, just a comment about the tax relief. So just one case of mine that pops to mind, the partnership as a collective really was hesitant to put a large provision through because they were sure that they weren't going to be paying it. So we've put a reasonable provision through. I say, actually, I say reasonable. It's quite a low provision, in my opinion, compared to the statements. But an issue is now arising where one of the ex-partners left, I, I believe it's now five years ago, and he only has up to seven years to be able to claim any effectively cessation tax relief. So if the provision is put through at the time, he would have had his tax relief at the time, but he effectively hasn't had his tax relief yet. Now, again, this is ongoing and I do know it's going to be resolved hopefully within his seven-year period, but I made it clear this year when I saw the practice, we need to start thinking about making some larger provisions to get the tax relief. Otherwise, this individual could potentially lose out on it. And I know, actually, Jen, the issue of ex-partners is something that we are going to cover later on in the podcast, because it does make a difference overall to how you're going to be allocating those liabilities when they do crystallise or when you know your case is finally settled. Yeah, absolutely, Katie. And I think the issue of ex-partners yeah, we see that being sort of, yeah. So we'll talk through that. Should we have a quick chat about the court case? Because yeah. there was quite a significant court case. And actually one of our clients was one of the five practices. So I think five practices in the BMA took NHS properties to court over the service charges. And I know one of my clients was part of that court case and it was ongoing for quite a number of years. I think essentially the outcome, I don't think the outcome went the way that the practices and the BMA wanted it to go. My understanding was essentially they've got to pay service charges. So yes, you've all had these invoices and you're all disputing them. But I think the outcome of the court case was that they have to pay the charge. But of course, what has happened is that they have paid less than what's being asked. So we are seeing, Katie, you know, practices kind of trying to negotiate what they actually pay for their service charges. Yeah. And we've seen reductions somewhere between sort of 30 and 20%, somewhere in that bracket. You know, as Jen said, practices were quite optimistic that there would be an aggressive write back, but unfortunately that wasn't the case. But even so, that 20 to 30% reduction still helps if you've put the full provision through, you are going to get something back and you aren't going to have to pay over as much money as initially anticipated. Yeah. And I think practices, because I've got some that have settled. So that's all kind of gone through and they've settled their service charges. I've got a couple of practices that were trying to settle them more recently because they had partners leaving, but that's all stalled for some reason. But what practices are being provided with is they get this very detailed schedule from NHS properties, which lists all the rent, lists all the rates, because rates is obviously all reimbursable, and then lists all the service charges. And they're sort of showing the amounts for 
each year that haven't been paid. Now, usually a lot of practices tend to pay the rent because the rent kind of gets paid and gets reimbursed. It's normally only the service charges that haven't been paid. But I had a client cater that I was looking at recently where NHS properties had provided this detailed schedule. They said, you've already received reimbursement of rates. So they hadn't paid any rates over with the service charges because they were disputing everything. But NHS properties had obviously obtained information to say, you've already had these reimbursements for rates. Now, the client sent me the schedule and I went back to all of the accounting records and I went back to each year to see actually what have they physically received. And some of the rates reimbursements that NHS properties were saying, you've received this, so you need to pay us, they hadn't actually received. So I do think if you're starting to negotiate service charges with NHS properties, if you're being provided with this schedule, just make sure that you're checking, especially where they're showing you've had the reimbursement for these rates, therefore you've got to pay it to us. Yeah, and I, also to check the allocation. So I had a similar situation where they just went back to the oldest year and allocated all money paid towards the oldest year, if you like. So of course, what this practice was doing was like you suggested, or like we always suggest, always pay over the rent and rates because they're fully reimbursable. But what they'd done is say the rates for year one and rent for year one was allocated. Then when they paid rent and rates for year two, some of that payment was allocated against service charges for year one. So, of course, although the bottom line numbers agree to what the accounts say, the true position is wrong. They hadn't paid service charges on account. They had paid their rent and rates for the year after and the year after that and the year after that. I know the spreadsheet you're talking about. It's not the nicest. So, <laughs> so you do need to make sure, you know, yourselves, practice managers, whoever gets entrusted with this task, really do go through it on a line by line basis yeah. and just a tick box exercise. And it is extremely time consuming. There's no denying that. Yeah, no, absolutely, Katie. And, and I agree with you because I think if you're not paying service charges and that's the bit you're trying to negotiate, you don't want payments for rent being allocated against the service charges because that's they're not negotiable. And I think, as you say, it's going through that spreadsheet. It is a horrible spreadsheet to look at. We're quite familiar with it now, but it is kind of case of going through it and checking what they've done because you want to make sure that the information on there is correct before you're then able to start negotiating. And as Katie and I both said, we are seeing practices, and we've had quite a few practices, they are able to negotiate to pay a lower amount than what is being asked. Yeah. And normally they're disputing it because they're saying you haven't provided the services or there's sometimes there's dispute about the percentage of space the practice uses in the building. They haven't got the percentages right or they've never provided any backup. So there's all these reasons why people can dispute them. And certainly what we're seeing is that practices, I haven't yet seen a practice that's been paid the full amount that they've been asked for. They have all paid reduced amounts. No, agrees. And I think while we're on the subject of negotiating, just going forward, really, as a point of information, we get sent often practices, especially those who are moving into new health centres, they will send us or send me, I don't know about you, Jen, I'm sure you get it if I get it, but send me the breakdown of what their expected estimated costs were. And it's literally fresh in my mind, lovely client, they sent me their breakdown two days ago. So I've got it fresh in my mind that I've just reviewed it. And some of the numbers were just unjustifiably high. So for example, cleaning, everyone listening knows your cleaning costs have gone up in recent years. When we think about, I don't know about everybody, but when I think about cleaning, I think of it as a service, but the reality behind cleaning is you are paying 
a human being, a cleaner to clean your premises. So you have to sort of think that, of course, with cost of living increases, pay rises, you know, minimum wage now up about 10% on last year, cleaning costs are going to be higher. So I would expect this practice, you know, knowing their finances, knowing their size, their cleaning bill, I would expect to be somewhere in the region of probably 20 to 30,000. I think the quote that came in was 60,000. Oh my gosh, wow. Which is the equivalent. I think I did a quick back of an envelope number. If they had a full-time employee on 12 pounds an hour who was in the NHS pension scheme, it would cost them something like 27,000. So they can have two and a half full-time cleaners or a cleaner or a handyman or somebody, you know, they could have two and a half of these individuals for the cost that, and that's just ludicrous. There's no way this surgery would need a seven and a half hours of cleaning a day times two people. It's just unjustifiable. So you have to go through and you have to be prepared to try and negotiate. I think you've had one recently, haven't you, Jen? Yeah, I had one recently that I've moved into new premises. And I always say this, whenever practices are talking to me, especially when they've moved from owning the building, having complete control over their utilities, and then they're moving into leased buildings. And yes, these buildings are beautiful and they're lovely. But when I walk into them, I just think, oh gosh, what's this going to cost in service Mm. charges? I had one recently that I went to see and they'd been negotiating and what they've actually been able to negotiate is they will take responsibility for a lot of the utilities. So they will then have control because the whole problem when you're in lease buildings, you have no control over these costs. You can't, you know, Katie, you know, practice managers, they'll look around for utilities, you know, what's the cheapest price, but there's no control over that. Somebody else, I don't know whether NHS properties do this, but somebody else is doing it for you. So I've had one practice that have gone into new building and they're basically keeping control over a lot of things like the cleaning. They've got their own electricity supply. So they're going to have control over that so that they can try and keep costs down, as you say, rather than being charged silly amounts of money for some of these costs. And especially if you're in a health centre, there could be other, not just GP practices within that building. And there could be a service that's provided in that health centre that uses a lot of electricity. So of course, if you're just taking a percentage charge, it's not going to be fair. And I was at a practice last week and that was exactly their comment. They said that the building they're in runs a hub that's there seven days a week and therefore Mm. the building is open a lot longer. And obviously, if they're just being charged a percentage of that, they're effectively paying for some of their costs for being open at the weekend when the GP practice isn't open at the weekend. So Mm. certainly if you're looking to move into new leased premises, then I think definitely, you know, you've got to be aware of the significant cost of service charge and look at how you can negotiate these. I've got another practice where I think they've managed to fix the service charges for two years. So I think they've been able to negotiate that. So it's just be so aware that these service charges can be massive. And I think just something to take away, this is an issue that comes up frequently for us. Even if your service charges are in dispute, it is always better to pay something rather than nothing. So, of course, if your rent and rates are being fully reimbursed for you, they're just a through charge. You receive the money and you hand that money over. But let's say you've got a service charge bill of 50000 and you're disputing it and you don't agree that it should be 50000 at least pay some money on account, say 10000 15000 Then we make a provision in the accounts for the remaining, say, 35000 at least the balances are being recorded and you are showing that you are willing to make a payment for your service charges. By paying nothing, I believe when it comes to the negotiation factor with the courts and going further down the line to have it settled, it doesn't look as favourable 
Yeah, so, okay, it's just so. something to take away. Yeah. Yeah, I do have some practices. I have some practices that haven't paid a single penny towards their service charges. Mm. And then I do have some that pay kind of what they used to pay or what they feel is reasonable. Actually, I think it's probably a good time to mention a couple of years ago, I did a practice. They had absolutely ridiculously high service charges, service charges to the point where if they had have paid what the bills were saying, the practice would have had to hand back the contract. I mean, the service charge was almost as much as the core income coming in. It was just, it was obscene. Don't get me wrong. The health centre was absolutely gorgeous, but the practice didn't have the capacity to be able to fund the service charges. So they asked me, the practice asked me to do a review. They said to me, could you pick a load of your service charge clients, you know, clients of yours within NHS health centres? So we have obviously lots of clients. So that was easy for me to do and do a review of what service charges are pound per patient. And theirs came out as £13 per patient, their service charge, which is why they couldn't afford it. Yes. I think they had a list of about 10,000 patients. So they were talking about £130,000. So, of course, if you're thinking now listening, oh, I've got about 10,000 patients, you're probably thinking if you tot up your utilities, your heat and lighting, et cetera, you're probably paying about 30 to 40. So imagine whacking a great 100,000 on top of that. It just wasn't sustainable. So I did this exercise for them and it ranged from two pounds all the way up to theirs, which was the highest 13 pounds. But the average came out between four and six pounds. So I always say to practices, when you do get this statement, just do a quick back of an envelope, exclude the rent and rates because obviously they're fully reimbursable. Have a look at the number. If it's between four and six pounds, we understand that it is painful and the financial management is, you know, contentious, but that is about the charge you'd be looking to pay. Obviously, it's always going to be lower if you can negotiate your own rates because you can always get the best. Yes. But that's just to give you an idea in mind of what average slash you think might be reasonable. I mean, to be honest, this was done before the cost of living increases. So potentially that might be slightly higher now. But, you know, 13, 14 pounds is just unsustainable. Yeah, that's really interesting, Katie, because I often get asked, well, what do similar practices pay, similar size practices for their service charges? So that's really interesting. Mm. Katie, should we have a quick chat about, obviously, we've been accruing for significant amounts of service charges in the accounts. So we've got sort of large amounts of money set aside for this future liability. And obviously, as clients are now negotiating and they are tending to pay less than what we've provided, I think it's important that practices understand what happens when they are paying less than the provisions made in the accounts. So let's say, for example, we've provided 100,000, we've got accrued in a set of accounts, 100,000 pounds of service charges. And that money has been set aside. So as I mentioned earlier, when we put it through each year, you are getting tax relief. So you've had tax relief or all the partners at the time have had tax relief on £100,000 of service charges. And let's say you negotiate and you agree with NHS properties that you're going to pay back 70000 So we have a liability provision of 100, you pay back 70. So there's 30000 that isn't going to be paid. Now, this will be what what we say is we have to write that provision off. It was an over provision. So it will get written back and it comes back in the accounts as income. So partners just need to be aware that if we're writing off service charges, then if you're paying less than the provision in the accounts, you will have tax to pay on the difference. And it's taxable and pensionable because it's all part of, you know, pensionable profits. So 
I always say to so some clients go, oh yeah, look, we're gonna we're gonna get thirty thousand, or that'll be back for us to keep as income. And I'm always like, well, no, you've had tax relief on that money, so you've then got to pay the tax back. But just to be aware that that is going to be something that you need to also take into consideration. And I think most of you listening who are service charge practice, you probably have a separate bank account where you have got squirreled away this, let's use Jenny's example, £100,000. So let's say you've got the 100000 sitting in a bank account, you end up paying seventy. there's your cash in the bank of £30,000. Some of it goes to the pensions agency, some of it goes to the tax man, and the remaining, which let's be honest, is hardly any, will go out to all of the partners. <laughs> so yes, you do get something back, but it's not as rosy as always appears at first glance. But as long as you've got that physical cash put aside, the issue practices we have are where you know you've got this service charge liability, but you've been thinking, oh, I don't think we're going to pay it. I don't think we're going to pay it. So you've dipped into those service charge funds. So please do make sure if you haven't already saved up or got the funds available, you do start thinking about it. Because I think in the next two years, two to three years, I reckon most of these service charge disputes will be resolved. Yeah, no, agreed, Katie. I think it's probably worthwhile now just mentioning about ex-partners. It's probably the slight elephant in the room here because it's a bit contentious, but it's what happens with ex-partners if they've already left the practice years after negotiation. The truth is, is it depends on your partnership agreement and what your partnership agreement states is the first port of call. As we know, sometimes it isn't made clear in the partnership agreement. And so Nine times out of 10, if, say, Dr. A has had money charged to him when he was a partner because we estimated the service charge, and then that figure is resolved down, say it's, I don't know, they agreed that they're only going to pay 70% of the charge instead of 100%. In theory, Dr. A is going to be due some money back. And so we have a calculation because we put the provisions through, we have a calculation in our accounts or in our working papers that tells us who we charged how much to every single year. So it's very easy for us to write the money back to that individual partner. Absolutely, Katie. And I know we show in our accounts, sometimes clients say, can you just put it the schedule of how much each person has contributed? And so I agree with you that we talk about that actually, if you're not paying all of it, then that money should go back to the ex-partner because obviously they were overcharged. I know I've had some practices that don't necessarily want to do that. They want to use some of that money for kind of repairs and maintenance of the building. You know, if, if they've got to sort of pay some of the, you know, dilapidations when the lease ends. I had a practice where one partner left and she left, gosh, she probably left four or five years ago. She actually did, they had a completely separate legal agreement about service charges because mm. she was concerned that actually if it got written off, she wouldn't get what money she was owed. So I agree with you. It sometimes ends up being very difficult. So I think you have to look back at what your partnership agreement says. I think for us as a practice, we tend to say, well, look, if they've been overcharged, then you should obviously pay that money back to them. But mm. I've had clients say to me, well, Jenny, what if we're paying more? You know, what if our service, what if we've not provided enough because we provided it based on a lower estimate and what they're charging is significantly more? And even with a negotiated amount, it's more than the provision. You know, then strictly speaking, you should be going back to those partners and saying, well, actually the provision wasn't right and therefore you need to repay us the extra. I think sometimes the difficulty is this partnership agreement say, after a period of time, you're not liable. So mm. I have some practices say, well, if they owe us money, then why should we pay them back an over provision? 
Yeah, it is quite contentious. So I would say in the first instance, do check the legal documents. And like your client, it might be, it depends on the numbers we're talking about. You know, I think one of my practices currently has a service charge liability on their balance sheet of over a million pounds. Oh, wow. Yeah, we are, wow. I know. <laughs> because it's like yours, it's gone back to 2015 and it's a relatively big practice in a big health center. So, you know, we're talking big numbers. So it does yes. make a difference to ex-partners and current partners, especially if you're a newbie partner and you join this year and then all of a sudden someone says to you, oh, by the way, you know, there's this charge of X amount of money. And unfortunately, because you're here in the partnership agreement states that ex-partners don't hold on to their liabilities, you're now liable that's not going to be particularly attractive no. for and new that's partners. Normally, it's normally really rare. Normally, partnership mm. agreements do say that anybody joining is not responsible for kind of liabilities prior to them joining the practice. But yeah, so I think it's really key to make sure that, especially if you've got, you know, Katie, you and I know that we're seeing sort of lots of partners leaving general practice at the moment. So I think if you've got partners leaving, you just want to kind of review and make sure that the provisions you've got set aside are reasonable because it is much harder to get money back from a partner that's left than obviously if you're looking at the current year when they're still a partner. So just looking at those provisions, I know I've got practices where they had partners that were due to leave or or have left, that they really wanted to get all of this negotiated. But I've got a couple of practices where everything seems to have stalled at the moment. And I don't Mm. know whether there's a reason for that or yeah. Not sure. And just one final thing to mention is that if you are settling and agreeing your service charges, what is then expected of you is that you then have to sign a lease. And so once you've signed that lease, then all service charges that are invoiced are going to have to be paid. So just bear in mind that, yes, you're going to settle and you're going to pay less for your previous years. But going forward, if you sign a lease, you're going to be expected that all your service charges, invoices that are raised are going to be paid. And obviously take legal advice when looking at new leases, just to make sure that they're obviously reasonable. So just to bear that in mind that, yes, you kind of got over the hurdle of negotiating the service charges, but you will be expected to sign a new lease. Yeah. And as we mentioned earlier, if you're sent a summary or a draft or a statement and you're not sure about it and you want us to sort of give you a guide just because of the number of practices we deal with, you know, just just feel free to forward it to us or your, your partner at the practice. And we can give you an idea of which costs we think are reasonable and which costs we think are just unfortunately too high and could potentially be negotiated. Okay, so I think that's probably all we need to cover today. Hopefully you found it useful. And if you are a practice that's currently negotiating your service charges, good luck. And we hope it gets resolved for you quickly. And if you have enjoyed this episode, please do remember to like and subscribe. And we look forward to seeing you next time. Bye, Katie. Bye. You have been listening to RBP's Accountancy on Prescription podcast. For any updates, please visit www.rbp.co.uk or follow us on Twitter at RBPCA. The contents of this podcast is for general guidance and informational purposes only and does not constitute any form of advice. The information provided by RBP is of a general nature. Appropriate and tailored advice or independent research should be obtained before making any decisions. RBP does not accept any liability for any loss or damage which is incurred from you acting or not acting as a result of listening to Accountancy on Prescription.